episode 15 of the Metro Fan TV Weekly Rundown. And guess what? We're still alive, folks. That's right. Resounding 3-0 win over Columbus to bring us into the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2015. And we exercised the major demon to do it. Uh, it's Lenz and Fernando here coming to you live in the usual locations to bring you everything that transpired in the past week. How are you doing today, Fernando? Um, miserable. <laughs> it's six o'clock in the morning. I've been up since 530, which is about five hours earlier than anyone should ever be up. <laughs> fall is gone. The two-week fall season is gone. It's fucking cold. It's like 25 degrees and it's supposed to snow. And of course, the reason why we had to do this is because we have a very international episode of MetroFan TV today. It's coming to us from across the pond in Halstead, England. Luke Hume, one of our BMI UK very own. How are you doing? I'm good. Very cold, but I'm, I'm all right. Very cold, but I got on. Tired. Um, <laughs> it's something good. we can all relate to, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to, but surely, I mean, like, I, I th- I'd hope to think that we can uh, be buoyed by uh, how great that result last Sunday was, right? To go into the international break, carrying this uh, 3-0 win, I think, against maybe, um, maybe against the expectations of history. We turned it around and pulled the tide back. And guess what? Nick, you know, we knew that this team was capable of doing exactly this. And they came out and achieved yet another first, you know, another... First playoff victory after dropping the first leg. And the first time we'd ever beaten Greg Berhalter or even the Columbus crew, I think, in the history of our playoff runs. I mean, that has to feel pretty great, don't you think, you guys? I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that that was a huge one. I mean, there, there's there's so much so much that went into that game, you know, from from thinking about the history of of a couple of failures against Columbus uh, to to just this team just not doing well and, and not not having a track record at all of, of coming back after being down in the first leg of a two leg series. So yeah, I mean, uh, I a lot of us had mentioned that it's going to take some some special some special stuff uh, this playoff run and exercise a lot of those demons for us to finally get to the cup and and I, I think the team is 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 showing it. You know. Um, a lot of people had mentioned that Columbus was was the team that they feared the most in the East, which I think yeah, I, there weren't really that many people I think who disagreed with that. Uh, even even me, who kind of not downplayed the import uh, the strength of Columbus, but you know I, I think I made it pretty clear that I felt pretty confident the close you know the, the closer the season came to an end for mainly the reason why what we saw at home. You know I, I felt confident that we that we would be able to pull it off because of that second half earlier uh, at that home, the home game uh, earlier in the season. Um, but there were still going to be, I think, the toughest game that we would face in the playoffs. I mean, no, no, not to discredit Atlanta, but I think we've shown that it's really kind of just uh, uh, a style of play thing, right? Kind of like boxing, you know, uh, styles, styles make fights. I think that's kind of just one of those things with Atlanta. So for us to have exercised so many demons already in our first round of the playoffs, against what was probably the biggest boogeyman team that we will face in our in our run to, to potentially win, winning the cup, I think was absolutely huge. Yeah, and uh, I think I'll pose uh, this to Luke, actually. I think it was about midnight in the UK when this uh, 
game came yeah. on, right? So, I was actually um, fast asleep, so <laughs> okay. um, I, was, I was starting work at three AM, so I couldn't be up. Um, oh, Ronnie was up. Ronnie was up watching it. Either Ronnie, but I was fast asleep. Oh. I woke up. I was very, very happy, and I always believe I could do it. Ritz team is not like any other team. Ritz team is much better than any other team we ever had before. This team is completely different. Yeah, you, I can't, think that, you, know, you can't compare this team to the even larger team, in my opinion. It's so much better, so many different areas. Yeah, you know, I think when we talk about improvement from last year, I think it's pretty notable that um, the only thing that really changed from the composition of the team last year was that we brought in Tim Parker to partner Aaron Long. And we switched out Sasha Question for Kaku. And this is, in essence, more or less the same team that kind of ran out for most of 2017, but maybe in a more, in a reconfigured formation. And we kind of knew that our trump card going into this um, fixture was the fact that, you know, Columbus hadn't really seen our best 11 in a back-to-back series before, right? We, every other time during the regular season, they'd kind of played our, us when we were either in the middle of some humongous uh, rotation. And, you know, I think it was pretty... I, I do admit that there was some doubt for me, anyway, creeping in after seeing the performance um, that they put out on the road in Ohio in the first leg of the playoffs. But to come back and do this at home, you know, I mean, we knew that they was completely capable of it. But I think... To see the way that the team just went out and just seized the game by the scruff of its neck in that first half, just completely smothering Columbus, taking a bet, like noting the uh, switches in the field of play that Greg Berhalter generally likes his team to do when they come and play us, and more or less shutting all of that down, not giving Higuain a sniff, not giving Zardes a sniff at goal, shuttering Arthur and uh, Will Trapp. And not really letting their fullbacks bomb forward, you know, I think. And the reason why, the huge, huge, huge reason why, I think, that they were able to put out such an accomplished defensive performance, you have to give so much props to Tyler Adams and Sean Davis in the field for this game, I think, right? Uh, just an absolutely massive performance from our two academy players. Uh, and just creating a platform for the team to go out and succeed. I mean, like, we looked at their heat map, at Tyler's heat map for this game. Not only did he have that huge circle like in their final third, but also had heat maps, you know, like very hot circles on the wing and on the other flank as well. I mean, just an unbelievable performance from Tyler, I think, really in that advanced destroyer role that really changed the face of the formation in our favor. I mean, like, we, we got to maybe start our discussion of this game here. I mean... All the talk about him not being a big game player, I think he resoundingly answered those quick critics with this performance. Like, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know the the quick and logical answer that I mean, even I agree with as far as man of the match would be Royer because look, you know, he bagged the brace that that ultimately, uh, you know, put us ahead and 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 you know gave us gave us the goals we needed to to comfortably go through. But I think you can make a pretty strong case for for Adams. I mean, at the work that Adams did that game was so crucial to literally every facet of their play from defensively to the attack. I mean, <laughs> that that one 
that one goal, uh, I'm trying to think if it was this, I think it was the second goal, that nice, that nice little quick passing play in the, uh, just outside the box. Was that the second or third goal? Um, that was the second goal, I believe. Royer's first. Uh, yeah. So if, if you, if you watch the replay, Adams is so far away. I, he's basically playing like, I think he starts that sequence almost as like a left back. Yeah. And he somehow, within a matter of like five seconds, ends up in the box giving a beautiful one-touch pass to Royer. How many people in this league, and, and I'll even go as far as to say relative to other leagues, how many players have the ability to do that, to, to, to be so crucial and important in, in defense and in, in defensive work, but also be so crucial to the work that's going down in the attack, down to you know penetrating the box and 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 just kind of giving such a beautiful, just simple one touch pass that eventually leads to 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 the go ahead goal for them to come out of the playoffs. I mean, his performance I think is something that you can that you can really. I mean, you, you could probably spend hours analyzing various moments of the game. I mean, I. I I, I can't. I don't think. I don't think Adams can get enough praise for his work in that game. It was. It was absolutely incredible. And I think uh, you know when you talk about um, just uh, that whole sequence, though. I think when what allowed Tyler to make that run in the first place. You know, you have to give props to Alex Meal for you know once again once yet another significant sign of his improvements. You know, I think Meal usually a very divisive player in the fan base. Obviously. He has his fair share of detractors and his fair share of proponents. And, you know, I think the pro meal camp has really had such a kind of a lot to toot your horn about. I'm not going to lie. Um, just seeing the improvements, I think, that we touched upon, like on Twitter, seeing the improvements that he made in his first touch in the ball and his close control in tight spaces and his decision making. You know, that entire sequence where he corralled that kind of very heavily hit pass from Bradley, um, drew three defenders to him, a close touch. Did so well in skinning them with that fake shot, the Cruyff turn, that it drew Will Trap away from Tyler, and then sliding the pass through right before he could, uh, like before the cl- the passing lane could like be closed, and that one touch off to Royer was hit. I mean, that whole um, sequence I think is going to be played in recruitment videos for the academy for years, right? I think because it's just. It, it, it was a goal that I think we, we're generally not used to seeing the team score. Like, it was a goal that I thought would, wouldn't look out of place in watching Kawasaki Frontale do exactly that. You know, I mean, it was just... I could, I could go on for days about, about this fucking goal because, I mean, that was probably arguably the prettiest team goal of the season. I mean, oh, man. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually watching. I'm actually looking at at a, at a, at a gif right now of that of that entire sequence. And my God, <laughs> so Adams, so Adams starts the sequence maybe five feet from the half line, uh, and yeah, it, it is literally about four or five seconds later that he's running into the box. I'm not sure. I'm 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 wondering if if Bradley meant to pass it to Tim Wheel or if he actually was trying to do some like long through ball to Amir, but that was a rocket of a pass and like seeing Wheel just absorb that like just so casually, 
is unbelievable. I mean, even removing the fact that it was Wheel doing it, which is kind of like, oh shit, this is the complete opposite of what he was doing even just a couple of months ago. Anyone to be able to absorb a one touch, you know, to, to absorb uh, such a, a heavy, strong pass like that, the way he did so casually, and then just to immediately just turn around and just continue the sequence with the pass to, to Adams, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, the fruit kid has shown in, in the last couple of months has been unbelievable. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's an incredible development right there that we've seen. Um, and this is. This is what what a lot of pro wheel people have said that he had a lot of of intangibles that 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 uh, that were very important to how his team plays and all he needed was just to kind of tighten up with some of just really the basics of being an attacking player, improving his first touch, improving his comfort on the ball, being more def- uh, uh, decisive on the ball, having some better vision when he's on a ball, being a little calmer. When he's moving forward with the ball, he's improved on all of those things and more in the last couple of months. And he has truly become someone that you have to you have to write him in as 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 a starter every game. I, I at this point I can't imagine him playing a game where he's not starting. Yeah, um, Luke, where do you stand on this whole uh, Alex Mueller uh, side of the debate? I mean, uh, I think I think he's um, a great player. I always have. I think he's so so. Underrated, and I don't get it because he always does what he's asked to do. Always, even before he last few months has been on fire, but even before that, he always did what he got got told to do, and he did it well. Not he's not the best player in MLS, never going to be, but he's a exceptional player, and he's one of our own. I think what you got to remember. I think I think he's a Great player. Um, I'm very lucky to have him, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this whole thing about this ability to kind of grow players internally who kind of understand what we're trying to do in the final third, you know, I think we, we kind of saw this was kind of like a, this was kind of like a highlight to that, you know, just a quick um, forward pass and transition as soon as they won the ball. And I believe it was actually Tyler who won the ball back before he played it forward to Brad, who'd kind of drifted a bit out onto the uh, left wing to kind of take up that position before he turned and played it into Alex Mule. I mean, that whole... Oh, God, I mean... <laughs> just falling over myself right about now. I mean, I'm gushing. I'm gushing, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Like, like there's spittle all over my screen right now, like me talking about before. Like, um, I, I guess we'll scale that back our conversation a little bit because I think that first goal in the first half went such a long way, I think, in quelling nerves, you know, and it was probably our just dessert with just how well they came out in the opening um, 15 to 20 minutes of the game. You know, I think the consensus was that if they came out and scored early, the rest of the game would kind of figure itself out because then Columbus would have to break their bunker and they'd come out and have to try and attack as well. And that would play right into our press. And, um, you know, I think looking at it, you know, I think it came off of an improvement to something else that we'd kind of complained about a bit in the last podcast. And that was off a set piece. You know, it was a very simple ball played into the back post that Royer hit into path of Aaron Long and we all just got there and knocked the hockey assist in. I mean, um, these are the kind of things that I thought were lacking last year as well that hasn't really been touched on much, I think, in our media, is that the set pieces seem to be a potent weapon again. 
And we saw another one from Kaku that opened up a really good opportunity for a cross by Mwil later in the first half as well. I mean, um, set pieces have been an underrated part of how we've scored goals in 15 and 16. And seeing them make a heavy return, you know, that has to has to really be an understated facet in our playoff run because we've shown that we are potent off the set pieces again. Like, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean that was that was a big talking point in 2017. I remember that because 2016 we were the best team in the league at set pieces. We we owned set pieces. Remember the game, the Red Wedding against uh, against uh, City. Yeah, we scored seven goals, but I'm pretty sure like five of them were off set pieces. Dak's got a brace got off two, of two off headers. Corner. Yeah, two headers. You know, so yeah, I mean. I, 2016, his team was unbelievable on on on, on set pieces. Whether it, it's you know it was a free kick or or it was a corner. 2017, we were the complete opposite. I think we were third or fourth worst in the league or something crazy like that. We were abysmal and not just defending set pieces, but also um, you know attacking on this, uh, on set pieces. So to see a, a quick reversal this year. Um, from that has been great. And I think that's definitely been one of the many reasons that's made us so dangerous. You know, this team can get you so many different ways. If it's from the run of play, we have so many different players. I think we had the record this year for most individual uh, goals or most goals for most individual uh, players this season. Um, you know, the, the threat's not only going to be from Bradley. You're, you could potentially get bit from so many different players. And then on top of that, you throw how lethal we are on set pieces. Those are the things that when, when teams bunker on you, especially in the playoffs, and they sit back and they, and, and they don't want to play, a lot of people talk about, oh, breaking a bunker, breaking a bunker. Sometimes it could just be as simple as being good on set pieces because you're going to get them throughout the game. You're going to get a free kick. You're going to get some corners. So if you're playing against a team that's bunkering, that's probably your best chance to get through that. And if you can find ways to capitalize on that, then at that point it's going to open the game up. And that's kind of what we saw. You know, once that first goal came, floodgates opened. There was some nervy moments, but that's because that goal forced Columbus to play. And as good as we are, especially at home, at some point we're, we're going to get ours. Right. And as I, I feel like Columbus, and I don't want to discredit them too much, but I mean, if you look at how they were this season, they weren't a great team. They weren't, you know, they, they scored less goals, I think, than Orlando this season. They weren't a threatening team. I think with this team, there was more just some tactical issues throughout the season that kind of left us exposed and also just kind of being in their head. So when they got that first call off that set piece, it, it forced Columbus to play. And now you were able to see us kind of work our best. Again, even when things were getting nervy, it was a good, what, 25, 30 minutes where Columbus were kind of putting it to us. That played into our favor because it was the only matter of time before we got ours again. So set pieces and being good at set pieces, I think, in a low key could be one of the biggest reasons why we end up uh, potentially getting our first cup because, again, we're threatening in so many different ways. The easiest thing to do against us is bunker. And if, if if we can get a goal, whether it's a first goal or second goal, off of a set piece, that's just going to open things up for us. Yeah, and you're actually starting to see like a 
big trend in modern soccer. I think definitely seeing um, set pieces being emphasized because I think there were a number of articles that were stated in um, a very variety of different tactics blogs that basically stated that set pieces are golden opportunities to bag goals against a run of play. And if you consistently find ways to get routines that create quality looks just simply because of the amount of bodies that would be packed inside the box waiting for delivery, like you're going to see an uptake in your, not just your, in the number of goals scored just simply because of the number of quality looks that the chaos creates, you know, uh, that's why you're starting to see teams uh, do routines off of throw-ins even to uh, open up one-on-one situations. You're starting to see, um, and it's not just Stoke City throw-ins either. You know, it's very elaborate throw-in routines where... Um, happens at Ipswich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not working very well, as you say. <laughs> not working well at all, but... It's a baby steps, I guess, uh, for some clubs more than others. But yeah, you know, you're starting to see... Um, opportunities being created off of um, disguised runs off of throw-ins to free up attackers out wide to put in the cross. I mean, this is one thing that I agree with and I think may actually swing the edge back in our favor because, you know, between Sean Davis and Rizla, we have two guys who are capable of putting in pretty great deliveries into the box. And even though we haven't scored a direct free kick since 2016, like, I'm still pretty confident every time uh, we get a ball an, an indirect free kick in a relatively threatening area because i know that having those two guys in the squad means that we're probably capable of putting in a pretty decent ball that's going to find either aaron long tim parker or one of those guys who are pretty good in the air and that's another thing that i think we've been lacking in last year's team is that we've have targets inside the box who are capable of winning headers and doing all kinds of things off of indirect free kicks. And that's such a big addition, especially of how much set pieces are starting to be understood as being a huge generator of great chances. And that has to feel pretty good. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's funny because we, we, we definitely have guys who are capable of just, you know, kind of ripping one in from the distance, but those are, those are typically pretty low quality shots. Right, whether it's from from a free kick or it's or um, or you know just a, a, a long distance shot from outside the box that run and play, those are typically low quality shots. So the fact that we're still able to to, to you know kind of bag so many goals this year um, from set pieces without without just having someone without having Felipe getting glo- uh, you know ridiculous glosses from from know, thirty yards out, I think it's a testament to just how well they've kind of sorted this stuff out and, and how well they've 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 been a game planning some of this stuff um again I, I we still have guys who can do it you know ivan's ivan's highlight reel has like just some ridiculous you know 30 40 yard 40 yard uh 40 yard galassos we've seen kamar do it uh gaku's done it before but this team is kind of they're the whole a lot of their attacking philosophy is around uh giving yourself as many good chances as you possibly can and, and, and attacking in a way that puts you in the best, best possible position to, to, uh, to get, you know, a, a quality shot in. So it, it makes sense that we see so many of these, you know, so many of these type of uh, uh, free kicks. I feel like one of the things we, we, we saw last year that we suffered was we didn't have that kind of aerial threat. And that's one of the reasons why you would see, you know, 
uh, Sasha just wailing these shots, you know, from deep and, and not seeing too much creativity off those uh, off those plays. So it's refreshing, and it's and I think it also inspires some confidence because again, we know we can get those goals from from you know doing things a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I guess um, we're, we're going to round out, I think, our discussion at the Columbus game. Okay, I mean, like, I know we've been kind of ducking it, uh, and we haven't forgot, for, forgotten about him, I swear. But, I mean, look, Daniel Royer had the most Daniel Royer, like, game that I can ever remember him, like, having. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, um, uh, the advanced statistics kind of implied that if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, he's not going to be really contributing in any other um, facet of the game. And, you know, he kind of shut us all up by backing two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, 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 I'll admit, you know, like if you read my timeline around the uh, – Towards the end of the second half, I was kind of like badgering Chris Armis, you know. I was kind of like, Chris, why is Royer still on the field? Chris, like, he looks terrible. Like, why are you keeping him on? And then he scored a goal, and then he scored another one after that. And I just kind of shut the fuck up after that one. I mean, (laughs) just finding ways to make me crow that Danny Royer. But you have to, I mean, you have to really talk. You can't talk about what a great result this was without talking about that five-minute, like, blood period that he had scoring those two goals. I mean, that was a sort of like a bit of the uh, directness that I thought was kind of lacking from his game uh, at some parts this year. And another thing that kind of has to buoy your conf- confidence, I think, going forward is knowing the fact that sin- of how streaky he can be. If he happens to go on one of those red-hot, molten hot hot streaks that we know he's capable of where he basically becomes the human torch scoring goals like that is going to be such a big threat for us going forward because it not because then defenses will have to pay respect to him and that opens up bradley wright phillips in the middle to bag at least bag one um seeing danny come back in a big way you know we have to talk about this for a bit yeah, I mean, look, it's funny if you look at his his uh, goal breakdown for for the year. Um, only once did he go more than uh, more than three games without a goal, and that was actually at the start of the season. And even then, he was partially probably because he was it was there was some rotation. So he he was on the bench against the Timbers. Uh, then he played. He, you know, he 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 came off the bench actually for uh, against RSL. He started against Minnesota, but then he was on the bench again for Orlando because that was around the uh, Champions League time. Um, and then he got, you know, a run of starts. He got two two starts before he scored again. Then he didn't score against City. Then he scored two games in a row. He went three games without scoring. Then he scored again. Then he went three games without scoring. One of those, he got a red card, which was against Toronto. Oh, yes. Um, so, I mean, he he's pretty much good for for, for – uh, you know, maybe not scoring for two or three games in a row, but then he's going to score like three out of four times or, you know, two out of three games or something like that. And then he went on that tear in uh, in July and August where he scored, what was it, uh, four? We scored like six goals in like, I think it was five or six games. Yeah. And then the, then the goals dried out, which when the goals dried out, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, when he, when he gets a taste for that goal, 
he's gonna he's gonna light it up again. He's definitely gonna wake up because that's kind of been his pattern. Even if you look at last season, uh, before he got you know, injured playing uh, on a baseball field, um, it was a similar thing where you know he's streaky, but he, he doesn't go too long without getting goals. This that five game stretch where he didn't six game stretch where he didn't score was the longest stretch that he's seen. I feel really, really good that that we could potentially see Royer kind of wake up again uh, against Atlanta. And Brad's been another guy who's been kind of quiet. I mean, he only scored what I think it was a goal or two since um, uh, since August. And Brad's another one where he he kind of he might disappear for a little bit, but once he gets that first goal, like that's it. So we, we could potentially be seeing Bradley and Royer, our two best goal scorers. Just absolute light it up at the best possible time, so I'm very excited. Royer had Royer had that look in his face when he came off the bench in Orlando that I haven't seen in a long time. He had this fire in him, even though he scored in Atlanta. He didn't. I don't think he played too too well in the Atlanta game. Um, but when he came off the bench in Orlando, he just had this look, this fiery look, and I felt like I saw that from from the opening whistle. Uh, uh, against Columbus, and you know, even though he, like you said, you don't get that much work from him outside of just scoring goals. There's just something about him that when he, when he, when he tastes, when he tastes it, you know, when he finally gets that bite of that goal, he just goes on this tear. So I, I feel good, man. I, I think he's going to potentially be, he's going to potentially be a big factor uh, in, in this upcoming series against Atlanta. Luke, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't. I think I think with Roy, he's dead like he's dead gone stretch like early of the season didn't score for a bit, but I think he's still got seventeen goals this season, something like that. So he still yeah. scored a decent amount of goals. I mean, I don't think I think the strikers strikers will go games when they don't score games, don't score goals. What they do, but. He'll score one day. He might not. He might not score for three games. He might score two and one. So, but I think, like Fernando said, he's hitting form at the right time. There's no. You can't. Um, should quote it really. If you if you want you want your striker to score goals, now's the time you want him to score. Yeah. And I think in a weird way that's partially why. You know, uh, uh, Chris and even Jess before was so adamant with keeping him on his starting lineup just because you never know, and but you know he's got the potential. You know he's got the potential to 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 bag a brace almost at will. I don't think there's anyone. I, I would love. I'm gonna ask Tom to do the stats on this, but just glancing at at his uh, at his at his you know scoring. Uh, record since he's joined the team. I mean, he's got to have more braces than anyone like in the history of this team. I mean, I maybe outside of Bradley, I guess. But I mean, yeah, he's he had like three braces uh, last year, and he's got I think two or three this year. I mean, he's he you don't know he he could potentially have a ghost of a game or bag a game winning brace at, at almost at will. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if this is this is someone who I definitely understand why he's always starting, even even when he goes in these dry spells, and we're like, ah, maybe he should, you know, maybe he shouldn't start this game. But he comes out and and, and does shit like this, and I and I 
I want to see the breakdown of his goals too, because I swear to God, this is not the first time that he's come where he's where his braces come within like a five ten minute span. The San Jose game in uh, in twenty seventeen where we were up three to one, and then within a span of like two minutes, he backed those two goals in yeah, extra time. Yeah. Ninety is ninety four. Like, I feel like this is like, he's like that. That's not these aren't the only two times that's happened. So he's in a weird way a game changer. Um, maybe not as frequently as people think, but he can do it. You know, he's he's someone who who if if he can get if he can get into a good position and you get him into that good position, he's so good in front of goal. I think even Bradley, it was Bradley who said it um, in the post game interview that he was like, honestly, he's more dangerous than I am. One uh, uh, when when it comes to finishing and, and just being such a clean finisher, he's like if you if you put him in front of goal, he has a better chance than anyone else in, uh, uh, on his team of scoring. And even though Royer obviously may not have the amount of goals that Bradley has, there's probably some truth to that. Because when he does get in front, I mean, I know I'm not the only one, but when he when as soon as Adams made that pass, I knew we were scoring. I knew it because Royer is usually someone who's going to bag those goals. When he made that run just outside the box and he was cutting across, as soon as he took that shot, I knew that was going in because those are shots that he usually gets in there. You know, this is someone remember that weird angle goal he got against San Jose, where I, I still don't even know how it happened, but he was like, I don't know, maybe four feet from the end line and he somehow managed to get it in. This is someone who's a he's a clean finisher. He can finish if you put him in the right spot. Well, I remember that goal, and that was kind of partially down to San Jose's goalkeepers being terrible. I think it was Andrew Tarbell who was in goal that game. So, I mean, like that's kind of it's kind of beaten up on somebody. Yeah, but no, but it's it's true though. Yeah, I mean, it's like, but that's the thing. Like that that's the kind of thing where where if if you are good enough to at least just put it in a good position to take it to if if you're good enough to put the ball in the most advantageous place. Then you increase your chances, right? Most people just pick the ball right to the keeper in that, in that spot, but he managed to find that little crack in between, you know, the keeper and the post. Where right. if you're not a great keeper, you just increase your chance of getting a goal. So it's like little little stuff like that that you know he just puts himself in in, in good positions. Yeah, if, if anything, like I'd say that in terms of just pure shot making ability, he's probably the best guy in the team. It just Somehow finding a way of getting the ball on target from the most ridiculous angles or positions, <laughs> like uh, you know, when earlier that year when he had that sort when he had that uh, volley from about twenty five yards against I think Montreal that he somehow oh. converted his body to put on target. I mean, that was <laughs> like I'm going to use an analogy for a bit, but in Pokemon, there's this move called Zap Cannon. <laughs> With a, like 150 base power, but 50% accuracy. So when it hits, it's probably a one-hit KO. And when it doesn't, well, you're shit out of luck because you just wasted a round. That's basically what Danny Royer is. He's Zap Cannon in, a, in player form. Uh, yes, uh, the, the, this movie, this part of Metro Fan TV was paid for by the Detective Pikachu movie. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, um, I don't know. I think that, that kind of, I think that would wrap um, this part of the uh, show up because we do have to talk about the Atlanta game. And I think I'm going to open discussion by um, posing the only question that we got in the mailbag this week um, from once a Metro. So thanks uh, guys for the question. Shout out to Fido B man 
Feuerstein and all those guys working on it. Um, considering the quick turnaround between the legs, do you anticipate Armas getting inventive with the lineups, or will he use the first choice eleven in both matches? And this is interesting because, strangely enough, Atlanta is another team that hasn't seen our full first eleven in regular season competition this year. Um, they had the full outfield when we went down to Mercedes Benz with Brian Mira and goal instead of Luis Robles because of his injury. Oh yeah, yeah. and. At home at Red Bull Arena, we were missing Tyler Adams and Bradley Wright Phillips, and we still put we still grounded out a pretty easy 2-0 win. So I think the thing about playing Atlanta has always been on our defense for us. You know, it was gonna always be a question of whether or not our defense was gonna be capable of containing um Almiron Martinez and whoever they play in the other um, wing either Vialba or uh, Barco, but um, whatever Barco, like he sucks. Um, uh, <laughs> well, okay, no, he doesn't suck, but he has he's kind of had a kind he's of a average, run. he's average at best. I'm sorry, he's had a rough first season. I think that we can all agree on that. Um, but that's the, that's the kind of thing for me is is that if I am Chris Armis and I see that we have four days between games. I think the first team is kind of well dealt with dealing with um, really quick turnaround because we've seen guys play really tough stretches throughout the season because of CCL, right? We've seen because of rotation and months that were arguably harder to play heavier workloads in, such as June and July, seeing guys do back-to-back-to-back sets with about three days of rest in between. I think this team would be pretty well-equipped to play the first 11 in both games. And I'd say that we I want them to play the first 11 in both games anyway because you have to prove to Atlanta that they can beat us when we are at their best. And that is the single most mental advantage that we have over Atlanta that I want to see us exploit the ever-living hell out of because they haven't proven that they have had a formula when they could beat us when we were weakened. And they haven't proven this formula then if they haven't beaten us when we were maybe not the full Voltron, like how are you going to face, expect to face up to the full Voltron? You know what I mean? So that's kind of what it is for me. Like I am personally on the side of taking, of playing the first 11 and full first 11 in both games. Uh, so I'm going to open it up to you guys. How do you feel? Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think there's any reason in the world why we shouldn't just put out our best 11. You know, that, that's, this is something I feel that, that highlights the biggest difference uh, between Chris and Jesse. I think that the, I think there are two big differences. One is just in-game in-game management. I think is is considerably different. Um, I don't want to get into that too much right now, but even just kind of like prepping, I feel like against Columbus in the second leg, Jesse finds a way to fuck this up and Galaxy brain it. And if we <laughs> somehow, and really, and and if we somehow got through. He would find a way to galaxy brain this game uh, against Atlanta, and like I, he he maybe he doesn't, but I feel like this year that was kind of a problem with him in big games. He just he, I don't know why, but he just he was just like immune to being able to just put out your best eleven in your best formation and just do what you had to do. So, you know, Chris, I, I felt very comforted uh, earlier 
earlier last week when when Chris went, uh, you know, in one of the, the training uh, interviews, flat out said, no, there's there's you know they're not going to overthink this, overcomplicate this. You know, we're going to put out our best, our best, you know, our best eleven, our best lineup, and and you know just execute our game plan and that's exactly what he did and i feel like that's exactly what he will do against Atlanta. there's no reason to reinvent the wheel this isn't a team and i don't i'm i'm not trying to jinx anything the jinx is unreal anyway but they 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 haven't caused huge problems for us i mean they're obviously still a very good team but like and 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 you know someone like Almiron is someone who, if healthy, can can cause problems, and and so can you know Joseph Martinez. But fucking defense is a shit. <laughs> it really is. Like our yeah. defense is better than their attack. I think I can say that with full confidence. So there's just there's no reason there's there's no reason to try to reinvent the wheel. What you do is small tweaks, like what we saw against the second leg in Columbus. You make small changes. Right. The, the 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 big thing for Columbus was, you know, how good they are at switching the field and diagonal ball switching the fields. And that's why, you know, the five in the back would work at times. But then that's also why the five in the back was complete shit in that first half at home. So the adjustment was just change how Adams is used. Right. Still keep your best back four, the best back four, arguably in MLS history. And and work from there, make subtle changes, and that's the same thing with this game. You keep your best eleven, your best formation, and you make some tweaks. You know, if it ends up being a, a four-one-four-one or or something like that, whatever. But you're not making wholesale changes. You're not galaxy braiding this whole fucking thing. You are the better team. You have a better system. You have a style of play that fundamentally causes significant problems against their style of play. So just. Do what you normally do. If uh, they don't, what they normally do. And if Atlanta it goes into the game doing something differently, well, then okay, then you find ways to tweak and make adjustments. But there's absolutely no reason to go into this game not not putting out your best eleven in your best formation with that most a couple of tweaks. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Luke now. No, I agree. I don't see you get all this rotation nowadays. I don't get to play the strongest team. I mean, not being funny. I don't. You know that you get all these people saying they're tired. Do I play for ninety minutes on the football pitch? Well, I don't try that much. Don't see why we can't play ninety minutes in four days. No, and that be two ninety minutes. But I don't get why I can't. I mean, I know it's a long time ago, but the Ipswich team in eighty one. I played sixty games that season. Holy shit. Jesus 60 games. <laughs> and now, and back when they had one sub. Oh my god. Wow. And, uh, but we yeah. can't play 90 minutes. Then no, I don't, don't get it. Play the strong, always play the strongest team. You, you know, this is actually something I wanted to talk to you, Luke, uh, about Luke. So, like, the championship and, and lower, I mean, they play what, 46 regular 46 season games game? a season, yeah. So, I mean, and then on top of that, there's, you know, the other, uh, the outs, the cups and different tournaments outside of that. How frequently, like of those 46 games, how much is like their best 11? Like how many games are their best 11 playing? Majority of, majority of the season, I'd say. I mean, it depends a lot because, A, it depends who your manager is. So if your manager is like 
Mick McCarthy or Sam Allardyce. He's a very much player's strongest eleven. But nowadays you get these foreign managers coming in the English League, change team every two weeks. But, I mean, last season, Ipswich had five players who all played more than 40 games, I think, at 11. We had a lot of injuries last year. I think majority of people, majority of the players will play a good, a good amount of number. Who talking forty plats? Um, don't play cup games. Like a cup, a cups here, a bit of a joke now, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so still play. In the end, probably still play about forty-five games in total. Yeah, see, um, and, that's, and it's funny because that, that's something that Brad I feel is, has brought up. So many times. I mean, this is someone who played in a championship and, and league one, so he's familiar with having to play, you know, three games a week for you know at times months on end. And and, and I it brings me back to Jesse Galaxy braining with the US Open Cup that eventually got us, you know, kicked out, where Brad looked visibly like pissed off that he didn't start that game. You know, I remember him flat out saying, you know, over in England, you you play three games a week. It's like you were professionals. That's just you should almost be expected to, to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, f- four days rest, but who cares? You're, you're, you're going you're gonna to start, you're going to start that first leg with two weeks rest because of a stupid international break. And then, okay, you have four game rest, but again, who gives a shit? If, if we were in England or some of these other countries where, where, you know, some of these guys are playing 40 plus games, they're going to play, you know, three times a week and they're still human, you know, they're, they're they're you know they're not cyborgs, so obviously you know yet yeah, you do have to keep in mind their their um you know, their physical health. But given how this team trains and plays, no one in this league is up for that type of physical strain uh, physical strain than this team. No one has the durability and the endurance that that these guys do. So you know I think this will be our forty third game of the season. Yeah, or something like that. So I mean, this is like the most. This is the most like England type of, uh, 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 you know, team in terms of uh, in terms of games played. I, I think we've seen in a while. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be what forty, I guess forty six games if we make it to the cup. That's that's one championship season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you know, it, it's not it, it's not easy, especially for the MLS team because it's not normal. But you know. Do it. Put your best 11 out for both games and, and, and go from there. Yeah, you know, I think it's something that extends up and down the English pyramid as well because you have had incidences of clubs in the Champions League playing a really tough um, fixture in midweek, either at home or away, and then having to make a potentially another tricky, like, away, like uh, having another tricky league fixture on the weekend. You know, I think we should definitely be a bit accustomed, especially in crunch time, that we have multiple incidences of clubs just running out their best 11 game, no matter what, because those are the two, that's the kind of lineup, regardless of fatigue, that's going to give us the best chance of bagging positive results in both games. And especially against a team like Atlanta that hasn't proven that they can beat us when we're at our best too. I mean, like we have to take advantage of that at all costs get into your head somehow by going out and just playing a best 11 each game. Because I've always believed this entire season that if teams that teams had to prove that they could beat us when we are at our best, and so far, no one has shown 
the capability of doing exactly that, except for perhaps Greg Berhalter's Columbus, and even that's been exercised at this point. That's a big monkey off our back. So it's going to be unusual going into this fixture, especially, I think, with this upper hand, I guess, with the in the... Uh, in the so-called mind game battle, because we go in knowing that psychologically speaking, we're going to be in their heads and we see this from their fan base. Like they're scared shitless of us. I'm not going to try and get too cocky or anything, but it's just a simple fact, you know, that we were probably the team that they were dreading the most in the playoffs. And now we stand here having to face each other again. You know I mean? That has to, we have to talk about the psychological aspect of it a bit when we talk about this potential playoff fixture with Atlanta because we kind of already know what they're all about in terms of tactics, in terms of personnel. How much of the psychological factor do you think is gonna, it's going to play in this fixture, guys? I, I think the psychological part is honestly what could potentially decide the series. Um, like you said, El- for me, Atlanta hasn't been tested anywhere near the way we have. We've had to deal with Champions League. We've had to deal with, you know, going down to to, to, to Mexico twice and, and dealing with the hostile environment there. You know, we we've had to deal with, you know, so many different types of, of styles during champion uh, styles during Champions League. We had to deal with with the the, the rotation. You know, we've had to deal with the U.S. Open Cup exit. Um, we've had to deal with uh, a management change. We've had to deal with, you know, some games where, look, we've said this repeatedly. Realistically, they're 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 drop points any other year, that but they found ways to dig deep and 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 get these points. And because of all these moments, it prepared us to make that shield run. And I think those things prepared this team going to the second leg against Columbus, against a boogeyman team for a million different reasons that we covered before, those things, those are the things that, that teams did look when, – when, when people say you have to dig deep, that's what they're digging deep for, right? You're, you're standing on that field and, uh, under pressure, and you're remembering all those moments from the season. What, what adversity has Atlanta faced this whole year? Nothing. Getting beaten up 4-1 in Toronto is a pretty big adversity. Barco, <laughs> Barco trying to run run trains on, like, you know, teammates, girls. Like, oh, that. Yeah. that's – I mean, maybe. You know, seriously. Like, they haven't they haven't faced anything yet that, that was a punch in the face where you have to be like, whoa, okay, let's kind of reevaluate things. And from what I've noticed, even – Especially in that um, uh, uh, the two no the, the one that, that we had uh, um, uh, towards the end of the season against them at, at Rebel Arena, they you can physically see them almost give up and just look frustrated. Like you just you can just see the frustration in Martinez's face. You can see the 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 the. the um, the, the frustration in Almiron's face, all these guys, they just, you can see them physically look pissed off, frustrated, and like kind of not knowing what to do. And they don't have anything to dig deep and look back and say, okay, this is what we did in these moments. This is how we fought back. This is how we pulled through. We can. And when you have two of the best teams in the league going toe to toe, 
where only one point in a regular season separated them, these are the kind of things I think that ultimately go through. And even if – I'm not trying to get too cocky either, but even if you – even if you just look at the fact that stylistically they haven't been able to figure things out, and I just don't know if if uh, if, if Data has that type of tactical acumen to like figure out the press either, but I just I don't I don't see I just don't see any reason I don't see any reason why they would have any kind of edge, ment you know in, in you know mentality speaking mentally speaking, so. If if we go out there and we put the pressure on them, and 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 we start limiting their chances like we have, and we really start putting some some kind of putting them against the wall, I, I just don't I don't think they have that you know that fight instinct to, to kind of push them through. But we this team has plenty of things to look back and, and, and say okay, you know we fought back in this moment and, and we can do it again if we ever get into the, into a tight spot with them. Uh, Luca, do you have anything to add? Um. Not much. I think I think they're both right. I think bottom line is I've got to go go there and put on a good performance, and that's pretty much yeah. it. Got to get go there. Even, even if I don't win there, get get a road goal. Why girls are massive and two tired legs. Take it back to the arena. But the has got to go there and put a bloody good performance on. That's it, really. Yeah, I, I, I really do think that this is going to be a tie that's going to be decided in that away leg in Atlanta. That's going to set the whole tone for our fate in this playoff series. I'd really want us to go all in and all out in Atlanta and just try and snatch the best possible result in Georgia because we bring what because whatever we bring back from there is. Basically, more or less, um, I think back at Red Bull Arena, where where is going to kind of settle everything. You know, I think I'm more confident in our chances at Red Bull Arena uh, when there are a whole bunch of statistics out there that kind of show that you know, like Atlanta haven't quite um, as good as their away record was this season. Red Bull Arena is a place where they haven't even you know they've always traditionally haven't really played very well, and. It's why I need we I I'm kind of with you in that boat. We got to go down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and just put on a fucking barnstormer and bring back hopefully a win to defend at at Red Bull Arena. That's going to be this the first the first tie in this fixture is going to decide everything, I feel. And um we're in control of our own fates, especially of how, you know, I think Earlier, Fernando, you were talking about Jesse Marsh a bit, but you do have to credit him for that three-one win down in Atlanta. Oh yeah, definitely. And that was just an absolutely accomplished performance. Yeah. I think if we put on that uh, performance that was comparable to the second half that we had in Atlanta, we have every reason to be confident about our chances of booking yeah. our first place in the final since two thousand eight. Um, and yeah. Just real quick, I just want to put this put a disclaimer that I know you know I know it sometimes it seems like I'm kind of ragging on Jesse and 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 it, it's not that I don't think Jesse was a great manager. I fucking Jesse is an incredible manager in a million different ways. Uh, my issue with, with him is is kind of just been a couple of big games and and um, you know his game day management uh, more often than not. But I mean, come on, just look, look at the work he did here, you know. 
uh, with the exception of last year, uh, was, was unbelievable. So I just want to put that out there that I, I still, you know, I still very much appreciate what Jesse, you know, did with the team, you know, even ignoring some of some of the things I have with him. But yeah, yeah. that that just <laughs> in a, in a weird way, Atlanta, you know, Jesse was kind of uh, was kind of Tata's man. Uh, where he just couldn't figure him out, and, and it seems like Chris is kind of taking that, um, taking that torch with. Yeah, um, I guess, I guess that we'll, we'll close the episode actually, and I, I think it's been kind of a curiosity um, uh, to some people. But uh, we talk about this being perhaps one of the biggest fixtures in MLS history in terms of how good these two teams are, and you know this has the potential to be an ad advertisement for not just our team but for the league as a whole you know like seeing two of arguably the best teams in the history of this league go head to head with a cup final berth on the line i mean luke i think you you're 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 someone as well you know who 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 like me you know like you're you you weren't born in america you didn't really maybe like uh, pay much attention to american soccer it's a fairly um late in your life. I mean, like when you talk about the prestige of a fixture, such as this, like, did you really imagine when you first fo- started following American soccer that it would kind of grow as much you know, as we've seen it grow before our eyes? You know, I've seen it grow far beyond su- what it was in 2014 to what it is now. I mean, like I would never anticipate that in four years. Like, how do you talk about the growth that we've seen of this league that now we have what is probably something that's going to be a coming out party for this league, especially in somewhere for someone like you. I think the growth is response. The growth is incredible. There's no doubt about it. To go for, we've got a team, we've got both two teams, broke the record. We did one didn't even win the sport shield this year, which is yeah. incredible. Um, Atlanta got 68 points. 20, 10 years ago, that was a one the Sporting Shield by some margin. The league has grown so much. Um, it's not, still not expected as much I think it should be in my home country, sadly. Um, but I think it is growing. I mean, the American players in it are growing. Like, you got your Tyler Adams, your Alex Muriels. Aaron Long, who are good, very good players, and in my opinion, could easily play in the championship. I actually genuinely think if New York played its switch, New York would beat us, beat its switch for quite a de- quite a decent margin. I genuinely hmm. do think that now. I mean, maybe not ten years ago, but I actually do think MLS is a better stand nowadays than the championship is. Yeah, and I, I guess. Um... I'm kind of curious, I think, from this standpoint as well, is like, what kind of, uh, how did you discover the team and what kind of compelled you to start following us particularly? Like, uh, what's the origin story here? Well, two sort of things. I've actually got an ankle, so I have, I had an ankle in New Jersey. Um, oh. Oh. But that's not really why I said to follow them. Um, I play football manager and happened to do MLS save. And New York, find me. So, followed them ever since. 2015 is my proper season watching them. That's the first one I was 
watching. It wasn't a bad start to winning the Shield. But yeah. Of course, um, fine Ronnie. Um, he's a great, great person. Uh, and Scott. We're growing slowly. We've got about, we've got 58 people in our group now. So we're growing slowly. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the LVNY UK supporters group, uh, of which I was a newly minted member of a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, the other um, members of RBNY UK, Scott, Ronnie, all those guys holding down the fort up and down uh, old England for us. You know, uh, it's kind of cool, I think, for me particularly as well to see fans from other non-American markets like start to kind of get invested into this league because I'm kind of with you in that one here. Like the, the excitement that this league is capable of producing is something very special to me, you know, like coming out and standing in the stands at Red Bull Arena while I was a student in the United States and, you know, celebrating alongside people who believe not just in the future of this club, but the future of the sport in the country, you know, like seeing the impact that it leaves in people, like it's something mm-hmm. I feel kind of been lost a little bit in European soccer, I think to a degree with how much clubs are kind of pricing out their local support. Oh, it's, it's awful. I mean, look at the Premier League is then 2.5 million a year. Are you going to get a 5 million pound payoff when you leave and end the season? <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, if it's not proofing up the European football is pricing pounds out, I don't know what it is. I really don't. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I think what I appreciate about it the most is that, you know, it's very much clubs that put their local communities in mind first. You know, I think outside of the crew fiasco, which was just their owner being an absolute fuck. Um, <laughs> The way that we've, I think, seeing the way that this team has started to uh, seize the hearts of people in and around the New York and New Jersey metropolitan area, I mean, um, I'm kind of with you in that one. Like, it's it's special because they haven't quite gotten rid of that connection to the th- very people that gave this thing life to begin with. They haven't priced their supporters out yet, and most of the fervent support for this club is drawn from you know, people in and around the area and in or within a five mile radius for um, within an immediate radius of Red Bull Arena, right? So I think it's very special that we see an ideological battle here between the new hot thing on the market, bringing in all these big money South American superstars and tapping into um, to tap into uh, unconventional soccer market in the US versus the local club that develops local players into stars here we, we we have literal fans who play for this team right if you think about it like that like tyler Ad, there, there's pictures of of sean davis when he was a child rocking metro stars jerseys like he's we have guys in a team living the dream of every soccer player and has to play for the team that you grew up loving what what what, what how i mean how, does it get any better than that really yeah. Um, and I think that's what kind of, you know, like, I'm not going to get ahead. I'm not going to try and put the cart in, in front of the horse here, but I think what's going to make it special if we finally do bag the big one this year 
And I think you guys understand exactly what I mean by that. It's going to be the most special one of all because mm-hmm. we did it with a core of guys who grew up in New York and New Jersey. Yep. And yeah. I don't know if there's been another club in MLS history that's done won the cup in such a fashion. You know, it's going to be a vindication for basically everything that this club has been trying to do since Ralph Ragnick took over as a, as a technical director of this club. And, you know, this is the biggest challenge that they've faced yet. But again, I'm going to reiterate um, the same thing that I've been saying all year. You know, like if this team comes out and plays the way that we know that they can play, they can beat anyone in this league. So I guess um, we'll wrap up this bit with a prediction. Like, do you guys think we do it? Do we finally make it back to the MLS Cup final? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly think that that the biggest hurdle was was going to be Columbus. Um, more because of of Greg just kind of being in the head of this team for a while and just being that boogeyman team for a long time, even in the Ralph Ball era. And for this team to to break that and 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 kind of come back through some through some adversity in, in so many different ways and push through, not to just not to take anything away from Atlanta. They're a good team and they're a team that that can and probably will score some against us. It for me, it doesn't matter. There, there's just there's something so special about this team. Uh, we have Atlanta's number. I, 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 I honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually win both games. I wouldn't be surprised if we go into Atlanta and come out with like a two-one win or something like that. I, I really, truly, truly deep down believe this is the year. And how about you, Luke? Um, I'll go for two, uh, two-one away win. All right. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm in the same boat, you know, I, I think I'm going to close out the episode by saying this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as all of y'all. I think the Columbus result really put a lot of faith back into, I think our ability to do it this year. You know, I think the guys came back and bounced back in such a big way that even if things don't really go our way in Georgia, you know, like us, our ability to bounce back the very next game at home is such a huge factor in the way that we've been as dominant as we have this year, you know, and I think, I, I, I think we do it. I think we bag a series win and I think we, we, we can take on whoever comes out the West, you know, I, I'm that I'm sure of, um, SKC is going to be the biggest challenge. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get there, I guess, you know, cause I don't really want to counter my, uh, chickens before they hatch. Um, so I guess without further ado, that does conclude episode 15 of Metro Fan TV's weekly rundown because, yeah, I mean, Fernando does have to go to work. Um, <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> short, <laughs> shortest episode that we've done. Unbelievable. We, some, we, we, we didn't go over 90 minutes this time. What a miracle. <laughs> what a miracle, you guys. Like, we did it. <laughs> As we know, like, a first time for everything uh, and – Thank you, Luke, for being our very first guest from Europe and uh, making this the most international episode yeah. so far. Metro Fan TV going worldwide, baby. Hopefully, see you on MLS Cup. I'm not you, yeah. but hopefully, of course. If I stow away on a ship right now, I think I could make it back to New York by December 1st. <laughs> but, but that'd be kind of painful. <laughs> 
I don't think they have internet in the plane as well, so I won't be able to like tweet. No, so I don't think they have internet on. <laughs> I won't be able to tweet. I won't be able to like talk shit online. Wouldn't even be able to watch a game, man. Like, did I ever tell you guys like how difficult it is sometimes to find st- streams here? Like, it, it's crazy, man. Like, one thing MLS needs to start doing is that it needs to get these international streaming deals, man. Like, I fucking yeah. need like something like that. Like where I'm at, like. You, you in the UK, you obviously have Sky. Like I don't have shit. But Sky, Sky Bay Race and New York, New York signing on Sky. He's always uh, Ali Galaxy, DC, all of them idiots. You never hardly get New York Red Bulls on Sky. Really? No, oh wow! Okay. Very rarely. Um, that that's stupid. Yeah, fuck always, Sky then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always Ali Galaxy, DC was not a lot. Orlando is on it a lot as well. Orlando. No wonder people hate MLS and fucking in, in the UK. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? I'd hate MLS too if I had to watch Jason Christ manage week in, week out. Like, come on now, man. Like, so mm. oh. I would hate MLS if that's all I fucking saw. Holy well, shit. I think, to be last, honest, I think the last two years, it have been five. No. About eight or nine Five. New York matches on Sky. So, really? Yeah, it's not good. Oh, That's my God. Like, dis- no, no disrespect. Not not just from MLS Digital, but from, like, the worldwide markets, man. Like, what the hell is this, sh- is this shit? Like, um, <laughs> it wouldn't be Metro Fan TV without some kind of shot in MLS Digital. Like, we apologize in advance. Uh, if you had... 70 minutes in your pool for how long it was going to take before I'd start sniping at MLS Digital. Yeah. 70 minutes is your winner. And speaking of which, if you made it to 70 minutes, please tweet 69 at Andrew Weeby. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I, that, that does it here for us in Metro Fan TV in very typical fashion. Um, thank you very much once again, guys, for your time and on behalf of me and Fernando, once again, good morning, good afternoon, good night from wherever in the world that you may be. Metro Fan TV saying peace and have a great day. <laughs>